0: Um, primero de Mayo. Um, 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 primero de Mayo. Um, primero de Mayo. Um, 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 primero de Mayo. Um, 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 primero de Mayo. Um,
1: um, 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 primero de Mayo. Hello and welcome to the D-Sandy the Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Dizemej Jr. Follow me on all social media at Samd. that's T-H-E-E-S-A-M-D. Subscribe and rate to the podcast, 5 stars, nothing less, tell a friend. Available on Apple, Google, Spotify, all major podcasts and platforms. Search for The Sandy Podcast. Podcast social media account is at The Samd Podcast. For all content, audio and visual, head up to TheSandy.com. Musical production done by May 1st Music. Support him at soundcloud.com slash May 1st Music. If ever you thought that we were in a post-racial society, (laughs) the sports world has found a way to snap you back into reality. We have a Major League Broadcaster, Major League Baseball Broadcaster, uh, bringing up the 40 Acres and the Mule that slaves were supposed to get. We'll get there. We have everything that went down with Herb Meyer this week and last week. <laughs> you know I'm on Herb's ass. Pause. Like he was on that girl's ass. Mm, hold on. We will get there. Off top, though, we got to go to your man's John Gruden. Because that's the most latest example of how in this post-George Floyd society, things are getting strangely back to normal. So, some emails got leaked about John Gruden from 2011, so 10 years ago, back when he was still a ESPN, oh, excuse me, a four-letter network broadcaster, commentator, analyst, whatever you want to call him, and he was the god for the Monday Night Football broadcast. John Gruden said in an email to his man's Bruce Allen, which the Washington football team was under siege this week, like literally under a raid by the feds, whole nother story, when more comes out, we will definitely break that down. But as they were investigating what happened with the Washington football team, they unearthed some emails that was sent from Gruden to Bruce Allen. And in those emails, John Gruden was talking about the NFL PA leader, DeMorris Smith. D. Morris Smith. That will become important in a second. In this email... He described D. Morris Smith as the following. Dum Morris Smith has lips the size of Michelin tires. Right. This is where we're at now. Dumb Morris Smith, so not D. Morris, which is his actual name, or DMoris, however you want to give it. I've seen DeMaurice, I've seen Demoris. I've seen all types. But dumb Morris Smith has lips the size of Michelin tires. This is what the Las Vegas, the now Las Vegas Raiders coach has given off. And that's part of the reasons why he will be part of season two of Trash Narratives. Coming soon, by the way. So your man's Gruden had... Emails unearthed in an investigation that had nothing to do with him, but he was bipartisan in because he was mans with Bruce Allen. So, of course, once this leaked, they ran up on Gruden and Gruden had to give the stock apology. And the Raiders released something on social media that echoed similar sentiments. And the NFL is still investigating. However, in copying pleas and apologizing, Gruden... I don't know how he contradicted himself in your own email, but he contradicted his own words. Because he says he doesn't specifically recall writing this email. And he does not think that Demoris Smith is dumb or dumb Morris Smith, as he liked to call him him of the Michelin sized lips. He doesn't think he's dumb. He doesn't think he's a liar. He says he doesn't have a racial bone in his body, and he's proven that. For 58 years. I can't wait for you to see. Season 2 of Trash Narratives. And specifically that episode. Because um, that in itself. Is a trash narrative. Gruden who continuously. Kept digging his own grave even deeper. Said that in the past he has used the word. Rubber lips. To mean liar. But in this case he went too far. In that email. To Bruce Allen who runs the Washington football team, about the NFLPA, PA, D. Morris Smith. We've been here before. We have experienced this before. Is it actually surprising that someone the caliber of John Gruden would say something like that? And how can you stand there and say, I'm not racist, when you describe a black man in power when you're out the game, it's not as though he was still a coach, it's not as though he was still an assistant or anything of the like. He's out the game. He is a commentator for the of letter network at this time. And you're talking to your man's in an email to your man's corporate email. <laughs> and he's probably complaining to you about the ongoing labor negotiation because this is 2011. In 2011, the CBA was being renegotiated, so it was a lot of tension between the executives and the players union, as usually is the case. And I guess in a moment of transparency, you felt you could keep it all the way 100 to your man's on his corporate email. (laughs) By saying that the head of the NFLPA, the head of the players union, who you claim you don't have a racist bone in your body, but you decide to take that opportunity to go to a racist trope that's being used for centuries. But you don't have a racist bone in your body. And there's people that are copping pleas, saying, oh, that was 10 years ago. 10 years ago, he was 48 years old. There's not no, there's not, this isn't like other players where they have tweets when they were 13, 13, 14, 15 years old. And now they're 20 something and we're trying to cop them some pleas and shoot them some bail. This isn't that. He's 58 now. He was 48 then. Grown ass man. Married with children. At that time, Super Bowl winning coach. All of that stuff. He had accomplished all he was ever going to accomplish at that point. The man who's been tethered as a offensive genius or quarterback guru, mastermind, all the superlatives and adjectives that go along with being very good at coaching and coaching offense. Specifically, this man had the wherewithal, had the intelligence, had the acumen, had the IQ to send to his mans on his own corporate email. A racist trope about the head of the NFLPA. There's going to be more to this story, I'm sure, unless the Raiders are feverishly acting in trying to bury it. I mean, it did drop on a Friday, which is a Friday news dump. You know how that go. If you any got if you have anything really salacious that you want to try to bury, let it leak on a Friday. Because obviously news, especially in sports, news accrues over the weekend. And then by Monday, the energy isn't as the same. Can you imagine this dropped on Tuesday? And then players come in on Wednesday fresh off their day off. And now they got to stand there and hear about their coach calling the head of that NFL PA. A racist trope. In the email 10 years ago, sure, but it's still the current and they just extended him. He just got voted to another term, which he said is going to be his last term. The current for the foreseeable future NFLPA, And now that man has to answer for those questions, something he had nothing to do with. And he's come out and said, you know, he's disappointed, disgusted, you know, all the usual stuff that any person in that position would react. But this was a Friday news dump. By design. The thing is. If there's more emails, if there's more rhetoric, then what? 10 years, 100 million. That was in 2018. So he's got seven, six, seven years more. 60, 70 million lined up. Is there an out? Clearly, it's not working in Vegas. Clearly, it's not. And that's what I get into on Trash Narratives. But I'll save that for that. But clearly it's not working. I don't think this is enough. But this could be the beginning of the end. For your man's Chucky in Vegas. Yankee fans, y'all good? Oh, y'all still hurting after that Boston shit, right? Hmm. Well, look, at least your man's Jim Cott is still keeping that same energy, right? At least your man's former long-time Yankee broadcaster, Jim Cott, is out chair covering the MLB playoffs and is still giving you that old New York Yankee energy. I
0: don't know how much you've seen of uh, Mankata, but everybody talks of this guy should be a star, an all-star. That's what they look like. I don't know about the rest of it. First time I saw him in the big leagues, I looked around and dug out and I think can we have one of those?
1: I <laughs> that, that's what they look like. Get a 40-acre field full of them. I mean, oh, you didn't catch that? You didn't catch that, Yankee fans. You didn't catch that? Ah, at the very end.
0: Get
1: a 40-acre field full of field full Yikes. Keeping that old Yankee energy. Bring back the ball Bring back Steinburner. Get a
0: 40-acre field full of them.
1: Dig them up. Dig them up.
0: Get a 40-acre field full of them.
1: Oh, it's going down. Basement. Jim Cott is out chair living that Yankee life.
0: Get a 40-acre field of them. if you didn't catch it.
1: Get a 40-acre field of them.
0: Get a 40-acre field, field, field,
1: field, field of them. This is what this man has said. He is 82 years old in the year 2021
0: a 40 acre field fella.
1: 82 years old on a television broadcast in the playoffs on a national broadcast
0: field, 40-acre field, 40-acre field. why is
1: a 82 year old man still in the broadcast booth talking about baseball I'll make an exception for Hubie Brown, because we know what Hubie about. Hubie Brown would never say. We know how Hubie gets down. He'll never say. So that's why he's still in the booth. But your man's Jim Cat, Yankee legendary broadcaster, Jim Cat. And the reason why I keep bringing this back is because this is what we're doing in 2021. Now, of course, he came on the air later and apologized. I'm not going to play the apology because it was a bullshit apology. Because this was the real energy, in the moment, natural reaction. Don't talk to me about a post-racial world we're living in. When they're 82 years old, you can still put this message out. And the thing is, he was talking about a Hispanic player, a Latinx player. So even them, y'all ain't safe, y'all like to duck the smoke sometimes and don't think that y'all us. but even Jim Cott is putting y'all right with us. Yankee's one of the last teams to integrate. So it's no surprise that Jim Cott was such a legendary broadcaster for that type of franchise. But I know. Hove made the Yankee hat more famous than the Yankee can.
0: So this is what you're
1: wearing when you put on that Yankee cap. When you wear that Yankee fitted and you think you're really hitting hard out here in these streets and you're repping the Burroughs.
0: That's who you're really repping. But well, I know I get it. Hove taught you.
1: I got this clip of Vic Fangio, Broncos coach, talking about his run-in with Urban Meyer after they played a few weeks ago. And I thought it was so poignant what he said. And I want you to focus on the middle part of what uh Vic Vangio was about to say here. Because this is before all the nonsense that popped off this week. Like, this is before all of that. This is before last weekend. This is before man's in his own spot getting the dub on. Yeah, it's it's before all of that. This is what Vic Vangio was giving up about your man's herb.
0: I don't know uh, Urban Meyer at all, really. I met him the other day, you know, shook his hand before the game and after the game, and and his comment to me was, "Every week it's like playing Alabama in the NFL." Nah, nah, No, nah, no, Y'all, y'all not I, feeling I, I, me. you are not, not hearing I, I
1: don't me. Who uh, is <laughs> Urban Meyer comparing, comparing the, other day, the Broncos and every and other team to? Who? Who, Vic? His comment to me was every week it's like playing Alabama in the NFL. <laughs> you know, that's, that's it. Is this, what we doing? is this what we do it? Is this what we do it? Everybody, I mean, no. Urban is so, I mean, the one year rebuild, right? He said this was a one year rebuild. Did he mean the Jags or did he mean his college coaching career? Because at this point, where else is he going to go after this year besides back to the college ranks? There's no way he sticks around after this year. The contract is not that ironclad. The Jags can't get out of this. He thinks he's facing Alabama every week. Because he has a Jags roster that he thought he could flip in one year. Like he's got a recruiting class with blue chippers on the way. Urban Meyer. What the fuck? So now we fast forward to today. (laughs) So that's been forgotten like that. That comment's been washed away. And now John Gruden has thankfully taken the heat and the shine. Off of Urban Meyer, just for a little bit. But man's went after taking the L on Thursday night, stayed in Columbus. Went to his own restaurant that has his name, his likeness, his wife family, pictures all over the place, just like his crib. And Winner caught a dub. He caught a dub by someone who is not his wife, someone that he apparently has history with, if you let the... If you sip the tea a little bit, someone he allegedly has history with. What type of history is unknown, allegedly. man's is out here catching the dub getting the grind at his own restaurant wearing an Ohio State pullover after taking the L on Thursday night football with the Jags. So there's a lot of things wrong, right? There's a lot of things wrong. But let's get to the bullshit apology, which I can't believe he tried to get this off with a straight face with an actual fake face of contrition. But this is what it was.
0: I just apologize to the team and the staff and uh, for being a distraction. It's stupid.
1: Um, stupid.
0: So I explained everything that happened, and-
1: He explained and, the dub you know, to his team. Stupid, uh, should not have myself in that kind of position. In the grind position, did you, did leaning you, up against the bar stool. The Did stay in, um, No, I stayed day to day see too. the grandkids, and we all went to dinner that night at- uh, His wife was babysitting the grandkids while he's catching the dub.
0: to our restaurant, and they wanted me to come over and take pictures, and I did. And, right. And they were trying to pull me out on a dance floor,
1: screwing around. and right. pull them out and, on the dance floor. He caught, I mean, him him he caught a dub. They had to pull him that far. He caught a dub right there where he was standing.
0: Reactionary, you know, how did they take it? Your well, I've always been so defensive of them. You know, I remember when Trevor told me he was going to go to Vegas. What does Trevor – I mean, <laughs> What? call you. See now,
1: see now he, he's he's you know, about see to see reap what he sowed right up. here. I just him bringing up Trevor leads to something team. that's about to happen in a few minutes. him a play out the clip. One-on-one spoke to all the players. They're good. They're Imagine him going one-on-one. Tennessee Imagine your coach coming to you one-on-one to explain he had, how he had, he had a, a dub distraction. in his own restaurant. And, uh, uh, Imagine that. Distraction. distraction. No, you're not a distraction, Herb. Running Oklahoma drills? is not a distraction. Yeah, of course I did. Yeah, that's not me. And that's, uh, uh, oh, yeah, they're upset. Yeah, his family is upset. Uh, his wife is liking tweets that are shooting her bell, saying she should not have to put up. With the likes of Herb, uh, so <laughs> the whole shit is sad, man. So he first off, one year rebuild. That's what he said. Then we had the Tebow nonsense. Then we have the NFLPA having to step in because he's trying to give he's trying to make players do the Oklahoma drill, something that is outlawed. <laughs> then you have the zero four start. Then you have him comparing every other NFL team to Alabama. (laughs) And now he's out here catching dubs. I mean, truth truth be told, I really thought he was just getting prepared to go to Carabana in Miami. I really thought that's what he was trying to do. I mean, he's in Jacksonville. That's, That's not that far of a ride. He could load up the PJ. He got the con money now. He could go do that. I really thought he was getting prepped to go to Carabana and play Mass. In Miami, in South Beach on Collins. Miami Beach. I thought he was gonna be right there. Can you imagine Herb on South Beach, Carabana turning up? With Marshall, Kess, Skinny, Benjai? Like he could really be out there. So he drops that apology, right? He drops that off, and seemingly you would think, all right, play is gonna come out, they're gonna say all the right things, shoot their coach some bail, in this, that, and the third. And to be Quite honest, I didn't really hear that much from Jaguar players that much. I mean, he put Trevor out there. I didn't hear that much from Trevor. I don't know if they asked him about that and he responded. I didn't find that clip. But what I did find was when the Jags broke practice and they had to be broken down. You know, you get together, you know, Jags on three, team on three, fight on three, whatever. This is what the Jacksonville Jaguars decided to do in lieu of those (laughs) did they really just do grind on three grind on three dog they really they they got together had a good practice trying to bounce back 0-4 this that and the third and the team leaders on that team decided, we're going to break the team down. Yikes. <laughs> Yo, it's over for her. Like, the, the the locker room clearly was lost before that. I mean, they're 0-4. But now, 0-4, your coach was just caught on multiple angles. Because that's something that kept getting unearthed. I kept seeing more and more angles. You had the straight on angle first, then it was like a multi camera setup. It's like a four iPhone setup. All 4K, all 30 frames per second, all getting it in with the zoom in. The only thing missing was the cinematic mode. That was the only thing that was missing from these herb videos of him getting the dub. So you have that happen. Then you have the apology where he low key sneaks in a sub at Trevor Lawrence. Then you have the team who now, at the expense of their head coach, decides to not break down with win on three, Jags on three, team on three, fight on three, focus, whatever, whatever, score, whatever, any little generic sports trope. They decide to go <laughs> grind on three. Let me see, are the Jags at home this week? Because if they're on the road, I have a suggestion. And if the DJ does it, it would be amazing. Let me see. Let me do a quick check here. Because NFL schedule, let's see. Ah, they're home this week. Okay, okay. So, but I, you know what? Next time they're on the road, when they run out onto the field, and I don't know if the DJ... Or the PA announcer has the balls. When the Jags run out the tunnel. The next time they're on the road. Does the guy. Or woman. Play ground with me by Pretty Ricky. (laughs) I would. I would do it. I would so play it. I would have it queued up. The Jags run out. They're on the road. Usually you get booed. All that stuff. And instead of getting booed. You hear, pretty Ricky, come on, ground with me. And you have it queued up to the specific hook. I mean, dog, how does the players not laugh? Both teams' players. Jags' players will try to be rolling. Because that's what it is for Herb right now. Laughing stock. In and outside of his own locker room. He's a laughing stock. At that point, the public embarrassment will be to the point where he would have to walk away. Which I think has been his plan the whole time. I mean, if he thinks there's every team in the league is like Alabama... And yeah, he realized he is over his head. It's a wrap for him. Grind with me on the PA system when the Jags run out? Dog. I mean, you could play bumpy ground, but obviously for obvious reasons you can't. But like, grind with me? (laughs) Tell me that wouldn't be popping. Do we need to shoot Matt Nagy some bail? Justin Fields has been named the starter. For the foreseeable future. That seems weird when literally the whole offseason, Nagy told all of us that Andy Dalton's a starter. He doesn't want to hear nothing about Justin Fields replacing Andy Dalton. That he made his word to Andy Dalton when they signed him, and that nothing was going to change that. Even despite what looked to be a really impressive preseason by Justin Fields, Mad Nagy stood his ground. Even when the offense was struggling through the first couple of games and Justin Fields was just standing there or having his little packages paused and the fans were clamoring for him, Matt Nagy stood his ground and said, Andy Dalton's the starter. Even when Andy Dalton went and got himself hurt, which is what Andy Dalton likes to do. Matt Nagy said, Justin Fields is my starter. Justin Fields goes out there and gets the Bears a dub at the crib. And now all of a sudden, Justin Fields is the starter for the foreseeable future. (laughs) So are we blaming him or the front office? Was it the front office that was shook? Or was it Matt Nagy? Did we jump on the wrong person? Did we criticize the wrong person? Was Nagy taking the L or taking the bullets because the front office and maybe even ownership were worried about putting Justin Fields out there too soon? Because you see what Zach, Zach Wilson, he ain't ready. I don't care what you tell me about that one win when he's throwing jump balls and shit like that. He he ain't ready. He ain't ready. Were they afraid of that happening? So they didn't want to jump out the window and just throw him to the wolves too soon. Well, now they're throwing them to the Wolves. So are we, are we looking at a thing where Nagy had to protect the front office and he was just doing the front office's bidding or management ownership's bidding? Or did he have a change of heart? And seeing how Matt Nagy has moved during his tenure with the Bears, what makes you think he was actually, that he'd actually have a change of heart? He hung on too long to Mitsubishi Mitch He's hung on too long to this dink and dunk offensive system that we thought he was going to bring over magically from the Chiefs when it seems like, nope, you should just went and got Andy Reid. But you weren't going to get that because he had Mahomes. Why would he leave Mahomes? So and you brought over Andy Reid's mans, thinking that Kansas City pixie dust could translate to the shy, you've gotten dick for it. Knowing this franchise the way that I do, going back to my days as a fan. It would not shock me if the Bears ownership and front office were so scared because of all the draft capital that they gave up again to move up and get a QB that they said, you know what? Training wheels like no matter what happens on that field, training wheels, because this one we need to do differently than we did the others would it shock you that the franchise that has never had even a top 10 quarterback in my lifetime would be scared or be unsure or be confused as to how to handle a potential elite quarterback? Literally my lifetime, which includes most of y'all's. And some of y'all who are older, even y'all's too. That franchise has never had a top 10. I'm not even saying top 5. They've never had even a top 10 quarterback. Don't give me Jay Cutler. He was not top 10. You talking Rex Grossman? Jim Miller? Eric Kramer? Chad Hutchinson? Vince Evans? Cordell Stewart? You want to play this game? Cade McNown? You want to play this game? Never in my lifetime have they had a top 10 quarterback. And now they potentially have one and they don't know what the hell to do with it. And Matt Nagy's out here taking bullets for a front office that has been inept for an ownership group that has been equally inept in a fan base that has been clueless. And y'all wonder why I left. It's been a while since I could say this, but goddamn, Big fight night tonight. I'm not the biggest UFC guy. I check in every now and then when it's a big fight. Uh, but I'm more of a boxing guy, sweet science guy. And good lord, Wilder Fury 3 tonight. By the time some of you hit us, that fight will have you know gone and went. But big fight tonight. And I'm locked in. I'm on the road. But I'm locked in regardless. I'm looking forward to it. Both fighters are coming in heavier. For Wilder, that's probably a bigger deal than Fury. Fury's just a big dude. But Wilder coming in about seven pounds heavier. And now it's just for weighing. Who knows once he rehydrates? I mean, he might be 10, 15 pounds heavier in total. And that means Fury <laughs> might be even heavier than he was in the second fight. So, but off the cusp of that, that's a big fight, right? Like, like that's a legitimate fight heavyweights, and we'll probably talk about that on the next pod. I'm going to talk about another fight, or a comparison fight. Not a companion fight, a comparison fight. Who would last longer? Whose fight would last longer? Dr. Umar against Tyson, or Andrew Wiggins' fight against the Vax? I mean, man's already gave in and caved. Once them M's were on the table, man's caved already. A. Wiggins is vaxxed. He says it was against his will. Uh, He says he's worried about the long term. He just kept, you know, it's it's the whole thing of pushing the goalpost or moving the goalpost. It was that, but in rhetoric. Because as you heard here on the last pod, he was running around in circles saying, you know, he's just he's just here to fight. He just wants, he's just, he's here to fight against being told he needs to take this vax. And he wouldn't publicly say why or what the fight was or why he was so vehemently against the vax. But he just kept saying, I'm here to fight. I'm here to fight. Well, what's the fight? That's a private matter. But now that he lost the fight. Like 72 hours later, he lost the fight and when he got that shot, he went, and go, he went and got that vax. Now he's willing to talk. And it's something he was saying. I, I didn't pull the clip because I'm like, yo, dogs, you lost. I'm not I'm not here to hear you try to cop, please, even though you clearly lost. You said you were going to fight. Your fight lasted 72 hours. They told you how many M's you were going to miss and you lost, bruh. He said he's worried about the long-term effects of taking the vax. And, you know, as someone that's vaxxed, there's certainly something to that, right? But I still wouldn't have got the vax anyway, because it's preventative. But let's talk about long-term effects and what may or may not cause long-term effects or long-term damage or something that is, you know, unknown and unforeseen in someone's future. Let's go through A. Wiggins' injury history, shall we? In 2019 alone had three separate bouts with what's being described as only a illness 2019 pre-rona three separate bouts now he apparently has bad allergies has to carry an EpiPen what's in the EpiPen it's a lot of words I can't pronounce ain't no elderberry black seed oil and sea moss in that but I mean a. Wiggins just was told by doctors, take this, it's going to work when you have a reaction. So he takes the EpiPen. But that vax, though, he wants some of the long-term effects. Has there been any research on long-term effects of constantly jabbing yourself with the EpiPen? Just saying, just, just asking. And besides all of that, A. Wiggins has had surgeries, and he has had multiple injuries to his quads, Ankles, thumb, back spasms, and knee injuries. What are the long-term effects, a Wiggins, of having multiple quad contusions? Multiple quad, ankle, thumb, back spasm, and knee injuries. What are the long-term effects of those? Those same doctors that are telling you to go get that vax were the ones that nursed you back from health from multiple knee injuries. Those doctors are okay when they talk about your physical ailments for body parts, for limbs. But for your immune system, you'd rather go on the dark web of YouTube to get information about that. So A-Wiggins took that L, but Kyrie's still fighting. Kyrie's the only one still out here fighting. And Kyrie, and more importantly KD, may have so much sway... That for some odd reason, <laughs> the state of New York has basically allowed Kyrie Irving to skirt the vax mandates in New York. He is able to practice with the team. Even though he is unvaccinated because they have deemed the Nets practice facility a private facility. So therefore, the state mandate doesn't coexist With a private institution. A private facility. So Kyrie is going to be able to still practice with the team. And move around with the team. And things like that. He just won't still won't be able to play home games. So far. I mean if the owner is able to make. Political contributions. Or make some calls behind the scenes. To get that done. What makes you think magically. Barclays won't become. A private institution. And now all of a sudden. Kyrie can hoop for 82 games. Is the Nets owner pulling this off on the low? And what, if anything, could Adam Silver do? If the owner of a team can make arrangements so that his player who's unvaccinated can continue to play, even though he's not supposed to, or practice in this case, he can't get that off with the whole building itself in terms of Barclays? Is this step one? Was this him stepping his toe in the water to see if it worked? And then now that he sees it, it did work. And Kyrie can actually practice. Even though if he was a warrior, he wouldn't be able to. A Wiggins wouldn't, wouldn't not have been able to practice. But the Nets owner went and did what he had to do. To make sure that his, well, third best player can practice. I know Mans wrote that book about how, there's, you know, player empowerment and KD and, and Kyrie or Kai run that organization. But this might be the biggest thing of all. This is bigger to me than them being able to pay for girlfriends to come on the road. Any of the other player empowerment stuff. Cause I mean look, DeAndre Jordan's a Laker. He was supposed to be untradeable. Unmovable because he was the catalyst that got this whole thing jumping off. He's a Laker. So some of that player empowerment stuff, eh. but this right here, being able to coerce, convince lawmakers, politicians to change the domain of your practice facility. So one of your players can practice, even though the state mandate says he shouldn't be able to. That's the real player empowerment. The Philly stuff has calmed down just a little bit. But the tea is still coming out though. Now there's tea that Ben Simmons demanded to play point. What? Blue check boys are running with that one. That Ben Simmons forced... Forced the Sixers to take Fultz? What? What sense does that? I don't understand. Do they mean take him or trade him? I can understand if you're telling me Ben Simmons forced the Sixers to trade Fultz. Because there's a lot of moving parts there. Fultz and Embiid were real close. They rehabbed together. They were both hurt at the same time. But Ben Simmons forced the Sixers to take. That's got to be trade, right? But but these are blue check boys who are saying it. So I mean, it's supposed to be. I mean, y'all you know how I feel about them. But this is where we're at. Now Embiid feels disrespected. <laughs> Yo, all right. I, I'm not even gonna waste my time. I'm not gonna waste my time with Philly, man. I'm not even gonna waste my time with Philly, man. Y'all did it to yourselves. Y'all know. Y'all know. Stop blaming Ben. Blame you. They're screaming "fuck Ben Simmons" at games. I mean that cool story, bro. But I mean, y'all know what y'all gonna get. Y'all know what y'all gonna get. Yeah, y'all, y'all were trying to get slick and try to get Kyrie out of Brooklyn. KD said, so "Get the fuck out of here." Y'all know what y'all gonna get. Y'all gonna get a couple of bit pieces. Maybe a young piece. Maybe the Kings are dumb enough to throw Halliburton in there. Maybe if they do, you know we're gonna ride on the on the Kings for doing that. Because you know how I feel about Halliburton. There's a couple of backcourts that to me are gonna be elite in the near foreseeable future. And it's what's going on with the Kings if they hang on the Halliburton and the Aaron Fox. And it's what the GOAT got out there in Charlotte. With LaMelo and Knight. Those are the two backcourts that are going to be crazy. Crazy. In about two years. Let Halliburton develop. Let LaMelo and Knight develop. De'Aaron is almost at his apex already. So the Kings thing might happen a little faster. But if the Kings are dumb enough to throw... Halliburton in that deal, you get Buddy and Halliburton, I mean, what are you mad at? A couple of pick swaps, maybe an expiring contract or something. What What are you mad about? I mean, to me, even if it's Bagley and not Halliburton, I would still be just just be done with it. Be done with it. I don't think Mance Man's is going to play. If he reports, do you play him? If he reports just so he can get that bread. If he's there, does Doc Rivers play him? And if you're Ben, do you play? Do you suit up? Do you check into a game? How beholden, what's his fight? Is his fight stronger than A. Wiggins? Is he willing to report and still not play? This is a two-time nominated uh, Black Sports Podcast of the Year. And we did not win for the second year in a row. Uh, but, you know, we will take whatever we can from now being a two-time nominated podcast and keep moving forward. And in keeping it moving forward, we will be keeping it moving forward from seeking a third nomination um, for Best Black Sports Podcast. Uh, Last year, it was a Quasi Blue Check Boy podcast that won uh, A couple of former football players Who had a podcast That's essentially what it was And they won This year It was a podcast that Had Darren Waller And had a former disgraced 4 the network Blue Check Boy Who ran to chase after Levitard whose poignant moment in his basketball insight was that after the Bucs were down 2-0 in the finals, he proclaimed the series over and said the Bucks were going to get swept. That's the podcast that won Black Sports Podcast of the Year. So I'm just going to read the tea leaves and be like, oh, okay. I see what type of time y'all on. Thank you for the nominations. Thank you for the credibility of that and me being able to say that I am a twice-nominated podcast host uh, for two different, two different pods, by the way. You no know, light work. Uh, but we'll be moving on from that. We're not seeking for three. Third time is the charm for some, but not for me in this case. Um, I see what it is. I gave them taking the church, and they ain't, they ain't picked me. So uh, I think in terms of my creativity and my writing when it comes to that and production value, that's a pretty high bar. I think that that work beats out talking to Darren Waller for a few minutes or a disgraced former NBA insider who thought the Bucks were going to get swept. Uh, but anywho, so appreciate, appreciate the nomination. Uh, we good on this side. NBA preview pod coming very soon. Still collecting who I want to have be a part of that. I'm trying to get another roundtable, but like, a ridiculous roundtable, <laughs> a large amount of people all talking ball and letting y'all hear that, hearing those types of conversations. So, working on that. But as y'all always know, nothing stops me. Literally nothing stops me when it comes to putting out this content. I've given y'all content on the road, at the crib, in different countries, in different states, in different time zones. So, uh, as basketball comes back, More content will be coming. Season 2, Trash Narratives, as I said, is on the way. Hoops Kickback will be making a return. Uh, Hoops Kickback will be making a return. It will be on Twitch. So if you do the Twitch thing, same thing, at the CMD on Twitch. We're going to be doing that very soon. I will give you all the first date of when I'm going to be doing those in the very near future once I get my schedule lined up with the gig. So, Content don't stop. The accolades don't stop. There may be another award coming very soon that you're going to have to peep on Trash Narrative. So, you know, that award, the Black Sports Podcast Award, escaped me for the second year, but another award didn't. You know what it is. Appreciate y'all for listening. TheCMD.com. Uh, if you go there, there's a mailing list. Uh, a lot of people are saying, oh, you got to have a website. So what happened once the social media accounts go down, Facebook, IG, all that good stuff. Uh, we've been had a website, thecmd.com. There's a mailing list. If you subscribe to that, you'll be kept up to date on everything that goes on with me, the pod, trash narratives, everything else involved. Uh, new merch coming soon. Very soon. And I can tell you it's going to be a very direct experience where you're going to be dealing with me directly. No third party shit. So the link that's in the podcast description is OK for now. In the very near future, that link's going to change up and going to be dealing directly with me because I'm going to be making my own merch. Real shit. So uh, appreciate y'all as always for the Sam podcast. I'm the SMD. i I'm out.